Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, welcome to another saunter on a nippy day. Let us pray and ask the Lord to help us. So Lord, we love you, we come to you humbly and we say, speak to us today from your word. Lord, let your spirit move in our hearts and through it, not just now, but throughout this day, Lord, let us be so conscious of your presence and so conscious of your power at work in our lives and our families. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Kathy. <clears throat> so today... Genesis chapter 23. Good morning, Ruth and Chris, and God bless you. Um, so we have chapter 23, Sarah dies. She lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. <clears throat> and Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So apparently she's the only woman in the Old Testament who we get her actual total years of her life recorded. So <laughs> unfortunately that's a male thing going on there. Sorry about that everyone. Um, but also it is an indication of just how significant she is and she's a very important person in the Bible, isn't she? Good morning, Mary. And um, so Abraham goes in to weep for her. She dies in Hebron. <laughs> Thanks, Fran. Um, Pops is feeling better today, thank you. Um, she died in Hebron, which means place of association or fellowship. And it became a significant um, city in Judah, throughout the course of its history and for some time David was actually king in Hebron for seven years he set up his kind of kingly base in Hebron when he was first anointed king so Hebron became a really really significant place it also became a stronghold of um, giants and that's when it was called Kiriath Arba Arba if you remember was a big giant who occupied the land and Caleb took the city of Hebron from Kiriath Arba. He said, give me this city and took it over. And I love that Caleb restored fellowship, restored that place of fellowship back into the land and in, into the inheritance of the people of Israel. Anyway, so Abraham goes to mourn for her. Obviously, he's heartbroken 
Verse 3, it says, And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, These are all his neighbours and friends who live around. I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And so he's like, here I am grieving over the loss of my wife and I've got nowhere to lay her to rest. In fact, the moment I'm stuck with her in front of me, and he's obviously thinking, ah, I haven't planned for this properly. And he looks around at his friends who probably have shown up to pay their respects to Sarah and to Abraham. And he says, guys, look, here I am. I'm a pilgrim. I, I'm, a tra- I'm a traveler. I haven't got any lasting um, place here, but I need somewhere to bury my dead and, you know, he obviously was thinking this this is not going to be the first member of my family to die. We're going to need provision for this. And so he says to them, I'd like somewhere that I could call my own where I can lay my family to rest when they die. And the Hittites answered Abraham saying, listen to this. This is a beautiful thing. This is a testament to just how much I'm never quite sure if his testimony, testimony is, isn't it? It's a testimony to how well-respected and well-received he is among them. They say, hear us, my Lord, you are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. So they're saying, we love you. You're a prince. You're a prince of God. You represent something to us you're well you're in good standing among us you don't need to um feel like you're presuming on our hospitality of course we'll give you a tomb you know you can anyone you fancy just pop your wife in there and we'll be happy with that but Abraham rose verse seven and bowed to the Hittites the people of the land and he said to them if you're willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight hear me And entreat for me Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as a property for a burying place. So Abraham is saying, that's really, really kind of you. I appreciate the gesture. but I'm looking for something a little bit more permanent rather than just a temporary kind of resting place for my wife where she might have to budge over to make room for Mrs. Mrs. Ephron or Mrs. someone else, you know, Mrs. Hittite. When she dies, he says, I want a place that I can go to. It's going to be ours. And uh, so he says, thank you and everything. But can you talk to Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me? Because he's got a cave. It's at the end of his field. I'd like to buy it. Whatever it's worth, I'll pay for it. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, of all who went in at the gate of his city. So they're among all the kind of noblemen and the kind of people of significance in the city. And Ephron hears this, and he says, No, my lord, hear me. I will give you, I give you this, uh, the field, I give you the cave that is in it, in the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. 
Again, we can't overstate how significant Abraham was. He was somebody that for Ephron to give him this land would have been a privilege and it would have been like giving gifts to a king. He said, no, no, please, you know, it's yours, take it. You can have it, you can have the field, you can have the cave. And here, here are my witnesses, the guys around me, they're people of repute. Let's do this, but I, let me give it to you. And but a, then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, if you will hear me, I give the price of the field, accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, my Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weights current among the merchants. So Abraham, he hears the value of the land. Ephron is here. He is. He's trying to give it to Abraham. He's saying, honestly, <laughs> we're, we're wealthy people. You can honestly have it, have it, have it. But Abraham is not going to be um, swayed. He wants to pay the full price for this land. Now, I think this is really interesting because Christians have got a bit of a reputation in some quarters for being tight and wanting something for nothing. And this is a classic example of just being of a kingdom mindset where you say, no, tell me what it's worth. Tell me the value of the land I'll pay the going price. I'm not expecting a favour. Good morning, Emmanuel. Great to see you, brother. Hope all is well with you. Um, this is a, I think we need to be the big person in this kind of negotiation. We represent the king of heaven. When they said to him, you're like a prince of God, that's how they saw him. A prince of God is not stuck for a few quid. And the reality may be that we don't actually have the money in our bank account to pay at the time. But nonetheless, we can say, tell me what it is and I'll go to my bank manager. I'll go to the bank of heaven and say, come on, God, he wants 400 shekels for this land. I need 400 shekels, please, to be drawn on fairly immediately. I was talking to someone the other day who is a um, he's a quantity surveyor and he's acting as a QS for a church building that's being built. And it's a significant building and the church have done really well and they've raised a lot of money, but they've probably got something like um, oh a quarter or maybe less of what they ultimately need. So they've got the land, I think, secured. And they need a significant chunk of money to buy the, you know, to, to complete the work. It's a big step. And I recognise it from both sides of the argument. I think, gosh, I'm, <laughs> I can see where they're going and thank God that they've got as far as they have but the, you know, the, the QS is saying the thing is they need the whole amount if they're going to get this job done. You can't hire a building contractor and get them started and then say, oh, I'm really sorry. We're going to we can't pay you. 
Unless you break the job down into stages and say, right, well, we're going to hire you for this amount of the job and then that's it. And then we'll have to renegotiate for the next bit. As the money comes in, that's a different story. But as Christians, we need to be able to pay up and look big and trust God and pay what is an appropriate amount for it. Now, if God gives us favour and gives us it for nothing, fine. That's that's a different thing, but or gets us a really good deal on it. That's a different thing. But let us not uh, let us not pre- present God as being tight and mean, mean spirited in our dealings with people, particularly people who've known us for a while, and we represent they we represent heaven to them. Let us then, in our dealings with them, be consistent and heavenly in all of that as well, because I think that is really key. Anyway, so here's Abraham. He says, look, I'll pay it. I'll pay the whole amount. He weighs it out in the front of witnesses. There's no haggling or trying to get the price down or, oh, you're going to, you're going to, you're robbing me. Oh, I'll be broke, you know, and all this kind of horrible talk, which is just nonsense, isn't it? Posturing and stuff. He pays the full amount. And so verse 17, the field of Ephron, so the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field of which the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in the field throughout the whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city. This is a very significant event because at this moment in time, Just prior to this moment, Abraham did not own anything in the land. He was a complete um, nomad. He wandered in, he fed his sheep, he wandered out, he wandered somewhere else, fed his sheep. Do you know what I mean? And he kind of just grazed the grass, lived off the wealth of the land and converted it into um, livestock and so on. But he didn't actually own any real estate. And at this point now he becomes a landowner. And what's he got? He's got a field and a cave where he's going to bury his wife. It's not massive. It doesn't represent a city. He was Remember, Abraham was tasked by God to go to a city. He's actually now arrived at a field with a cave in it which you could say is a long way off where he needs to get to. And he's, he, he's, but yet he now owns real estate. And this is significant. And it's bought, and it's very key that the business is done legally and with all the witnesses and everything. And it was made over, it was deeded over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of the city. So Abraham legally own this land and so he is taking possession now for the first time of some actual promised land real estate in the presence of the elders and the kind of princes of that region and after this Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field and Machpelah east of Mamre that is Hebron in the land of Canaan it's Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for
for buying a place by the Hittites. God had promised Abraham the whole land. He's got to start somewhere. <laughs> He's got to start somewhere. I remember a, a woman, a, a prophetic lady, forget her name at the moment, Dutch lady will come to me. And she said, how do we take a city for God? And she said, we buy it. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a really interesting thought. And at the prayer house in Weymouth, we have been nomads in this land for a long, long time. And we have a good reputation with many. We have a good reputation with the other church leaders and with the council and people like that on the whole, I think. And um, people respect us, but we don't own anything. And we're still here like kind of nomads. And you know what my heart's desire is to get is to get some real estate of on the land of Weymouth before I pop my clogs and finally go home to be with the Lord. So um, because I feel it's important that we actually have some physical territory in the land. And there's something significant about that, isn't there? There's something significant about buying and putting your feet down on land that is yours. Now, thank God we own our house and God has been kind to us, so we do own that real estate. But for the Prayer House Church family, there's that desire in my heart for us to become established. Now, it wasn't Patricia Bootsma, a Dutch lady, and Ar Arlene, Arlene, someone or other. She was good and she was very good. And I, I thought it was a really, really cool statement that changed my thinking. And so I'm praying, Lord Jesus, and you can pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, for the prayer house family that we've been here all these years as nomads. And we thank you for all the fun we've had and all the faithfulness and provision that we've enjoyed. And we're saying, God, yes, we still want real estate in this place. We want somewhere where we can not so much where we can bury our dead, but where we can raise up our living in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you gorgeous people have an amazing day and i'm out of isolation tomorrow boo, boo, boo. so back at church see you tomorrow i am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book the christing it's a whole adventure of digging deep into the bible Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. 
uh, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.